Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Ser Benfica é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão culto. A coragem, que é liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade, que é o caráter das pessoas. A alma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. É de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Doll Benfica podcast. Episode number 381 is what we're recording tonight. My name is Alfredo Fumasas. With me, as always, Cristiano Oliveira. What's going on, Cristiano? Glad to be back here on a podcast, Alfredo. Good to see your face and, and pretty boy with the stash, with the Captain Morgan stash, Primo from the, the Great White North. Great, good to see you guys. Dave, how you been? Good to be back on as well, like uh, Cristiano uh, said. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're on top of the league table, so uh, not a, a good game, but uh, good to be on top. Yeah, that's right. We're recording this as uh, the transfer window closed up uh, almost uh, three hours ago. Uh, two hours and 40 minutes ago, uh, we will be looking or we'll be doing a recap of every uh, transfer in and out of uh, Benfica, including the, the loans and the not-so-loans and whatnot. We will provide you with all the information that we, uh, that we have. Um, but before that, we got the France game to uh, recap uh, ahead of uh, an internet or, or behind an international break that happens uh, this coming week. Actually, tomorrow and on the weekend, then there's another game um, midweek after that. So let's get right into this uh, France game of La Codimus was in goal. Almeida, Otamendi, Jardel and Grimaldo. Uh, Gabriel and Pizzi in the midfield. Rafa on one wing, Everton on the other, Waldschmidt and Darwin. Um, as um, as the forwards, uh, nothing nothing to see here, right? Uh, so uh, Diaz was gone. Um, Vertonghen, we found out that the fractured uh, bone is molar uh, bone in his face, so he wasn't available. Otamendi, which had done the preseason with uh, Manchester City, uh, stepped in even though he hasn't played a game, uh, and certainly we saw some of that rustiness towards the uh, the end of the game. Uh, but that's uh, that's basically what we had. And then uh, Jardel also, uh, which is always uh, 
a guy that can pitch in when he's not uh, when he's not hurt. Uh, also played um, a game that uh, you know it, it wasn't the, the the game that we had seen in the in the past or, or in the past couple of games that Benfica has played. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it I think it's a bit of uh, eye opening for for Benfica that not you're not going to be able to roll over every team, especially when you're not at your best. Um, Benfica did dominate the possession, but there was a lot of miscues, a lot of missed passes um, from the midfield, and in the final third, things were a little slower, so we weren't able to uh, to get uh, dominating uh, Ferenc the way we have been dominating. Uh, the other teams that we played up to this point. We did get on a scoreboard um, early in the game, 15 minutes in. Uh, Pizzi uh, off a Rafa assist uh, got uh, a lucky uh, rebound or deflection off a defender and was able to trick um, a goalkeeper that uh, also uh, saved a lot of things uh, throughout the game. Uh, but I think that, Xterno, um, I'll start with you. Scoring this girl, uh, this this goal early on, uh, was perhaps something that suited Benfica because seeing how the rest of the game went and how uh, they were able to allow Ferenc into the game, this could have been uh, worse for us. I'm not sure. I'm not sure suited Benfica, Alfredo. I mean, normally in, in most games, when a team scores early, it does suit that team, and and, and team seems to alleviate some of that pressure, and you could tell the, the the team start to play a little bit better. But in this game, it seems like once Benfica scored, the game changed. And I like to compare this game into a, a game of halves and halves, right? In the first half of the first half, Benfica was the more dominant team, the team creating more opportunities. Uh, you know, they came very close to scoring goals. Same thing with Ferenc, to be uh, uh, to, 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 to be brutally honest with you. Yeah. They, 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 you know, they, uh, Flaco Dimos, uh, bailed us out a couple of times. But it was an interesting game. Once Benfica gets on the score sheet, it's as if Ferenc said, okay, like, look, all right, let, let's play our game now. And, and Benfica was on, the, was on the back foot there for the second half of the first half. But once you get into the second half, um, things totally changed. And again, it was another game of halves. Uh, Ferenc had the better of the, uh, of the beginning, or like I said, the halves they had the better half of the second half, and then Benfica had the better second half of the second half, if it makes most sense. So it was just, you know, one of those games that we anticipated coming into starting to lose that Benfica would be just steamroll over everybody um, and come away with a reliable or very easy uh, win in this game. But it was not, it was not, it was not the case. Obviously, Otamendi, um made his debut in a Benfica shirt, uh, played what I what I what I'd seen or what I determined uh, to be a fantastic first half. I mean, he had a couple of interesting plays, a couple of interesting interceptions. Seemed like he was everywhere. Then in the second half, it totally changed. Obviously, you know, he got called on a penalty. Then very uh, you know, unfortunate to see what's happened towards the end of the second half. You know, uh, not second half, but of the game uh, on the second goal for Ferenc. It was a guy that uh, played. Uh, it was spectacular in the first half, and then the second half, it just seemed like you know, if you didn't know any better. Dave, you 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 know you could easily assume you sabotage in this game. Well, that or that or he'll he'll fit right in with this club because this club can't put two uh, good halves together, right? So we saw the best of him in the first half, and he's just fitting in with the the rest rest of his uh, squad members here by uh, putting up a, a poor performance. But I couldn't agree more with you, uh, Christian. He was. Uh, Really on the mark uh, in the uh, the first half, but that uh, second half from uh, Otamendi. Luckily, we had that uh, extra goal there, to, uh, the third goal, 
But uh, yeah, you definitely questions would have been uh, asked if uh, it was a 2-2 uh, result instead of a 3-2 result. You know how normally we say, at the half, the team got the mala because they came out of a totally different team. Right? If I didn't know anybody, I would have I, I came in and said, oh, the men, they got the mala at the half because <laughs> in the second half, I mean, he looked like a totally different player. But again, look, that penalty, the one thing that, that he's going to learn quickly here is that he's not playing in blue. He's not going to get away with those types of fouls. And then obviously he committed that mistake um, late, 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 what, 94th or 95th minute, whatever it was, yeah. in the second half where, you know, you could very easily have called that a foul. And I think he was kind of tripped up a little bit. Um, but, you know, Benfica is not going to get those calls. So they have to, 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 to be on top of their game. Vlaco Dimos had, to me, uh, an up and down game. I know if you look at it statistically, um, he had, I think Dave, you sent in your notes, the most saves in his Benfica career in a one particular game. Uh, but I, I, you know, there's, there's still things that I could criticize, particularly in the first half. Um, you guys know one of my complaints has always been he, he, you know, parries everything away, doesn't hold on to balls that are shot straight at him. There was a couple of instances that, uh, he made a spectacular, you know, reflex save, but I think he had a lot more time, especially in the 26th minute, I believe. Uh, if you guys recall, cross into the box, header across the box, and there's really nobody even near the box or near him, I should say. And he had time to hold on to the ball. It wasn't necessarily uh, a hard header. And he could have just, just very easily held on to the ball or knocked it down and then jumped back on it. You know, he puts it back into play. Fortunately for Benfica, there was no one making that run in the second post because obviously they could have gone on the end of that and made things a lot more interesting. So, look, he had spectacular. And, and the one thing I adored was on the double penalty save that it was the, 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 the sporting Irish Messi. You know, if you guys recall, this was going to be the Scottish. savior. Oh, Irish, Scottish. They all speak with that. No, accent. he's Scottish. Scottish, Irish, whatever, same thing. Same thing, yeah. but I was, I was glad to see it on him. I was glad. It looks, Vlaco Dimos um, held us in there, and, and, and obviously then Benfica gives up a goal. Like you said, Dave, Otamendi fits right in with, with, <laughs> with this team and, and, and the way we defend because, uh, as I just mentioned, uh, Vlaco Dimos, you know, saved us, kept us, kept us, you know, above water, we're doing good, and then only to give up the tying goal on, on, on such, you know, uh, on the ensuing corner, I should say, not the men, they just like kind of sit there flat footed guy comes from behind him, headers it in. It's just, it's a game of, you know, uh, comical efforts at times. Yeah. And, and set piece too, as uh, like we went all season almost uh, without giving up a goal from uh, the set piece. And uh, sure enough, they got us on that set piece corner. Yeah. Even though it hasn't been a very long season, but yeah. Yeah. But, so that's, that's true. But uh, JJ, oh, I thought you were refer- I'm sorry, Alfred, not to cut you. I thought you were referring to last season. There was, I, I was no. gonna, I'll just let you slide. I was like, I'm not even gonna say nothing. Go um, yeah, no, JJ addressed the whole Otamendi thing at the end of the game, uh, and what he was, he kind of excused him, uh, in which he said, you know, he, he hasn't been with us for for too long, and um, really, the, the the legs really showed at the end of the game or in the second half, because those mistakes that he made are mistakes that when you have a, a, a fatigue breakdown, uh, that you mentally your head wants to do that, but your your physical attributes or your physical ability is not there yet. Uh, and, and look, the, the ball that he got stripped, 
uh, that's something that maybe at the at the top of, of his shape he doesn't give up that ball or he, he's even able to uh, tackle the guy <laughs> tackle the guy and I think that uh, uh, that in the penalty he got there late also um, so but uh, that's what JJ uh, how JJ excused it and, and certainly um, we could we could I could understand that and I could even accept it but but yeah it was just uh, you know from seeing Benfica the way they played against uh, Murines and and from Malikão and then seeing against Ferenc which on paper uh, is a team that's supposed to be much weaker they just got promoted uh, and then seeing also uh, the posture that Ferenc had in, in coming into this game and and really playing uh, eye to eye with uh, with Benfica and really Benfica putting themselves in a position where you kind of expose yourself and uh, and when you uh, and when you allow a goal uh, in the first 15 minutes of the second half from a set piece uh, in which Ferenc completely uh, deserved, uh, now you put uh, Benfica on on a back foot which up until this point hadn't really had a a very sharp game. Uh, Seferovic did come in uh, and he proved again why he's becoming the super sub that uh, that we need him to be. Uh, 2-1 in the 79th minute and then uh, 3-1 in the 87th minute. We would allow then that goal, as we mentioned, from the Otamendi mistake in the 95th minute. Uh, but I think this is, um, this is uh, eye-opening uh, for Benfica. Uh, and then JJ also used the press uh, conference to say, well, this is why we need uh, two center backs. Of course, uh, we, we'll get into whether he got those two, two center backs or not. <laughs> two more, not not two center backs. Cause we got two. Right, two we need more. two two center backs instead of instead of one. Uh, but yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was an uh, an eye opening. And and again, uh, I mean, you you see guys on this team, and uh, you know, I, I you guys know me, and I'm biased. Uh, I think Almeida's got no business in being on this team. I think Pizzi has no business being on this team. Uh, Grimaldo defensively could be a liability at times because if a ball is played to the second post, he's not a guy that's going to go up to the first floor to defend uh, a header. Um, so, but th- those are all the things that that need to be uh, worked on. I didn't think that Everton had a, had a particular uh, good game as opposed to the past couple games that he had. Uh, Darwin got another assist. Still a blank. for assist, baby. He's woof on the money. <laughs> he's still uh, yet to open his uh, his personal account in terms of uh, goals. And then, uh, Dave, your boy, coming through again. Uh, this time he didn't have the crowd to shush the crowd, but uh, certainly uh, he uh, he thanked Darwin for giving him the goal, even in a in a in a in a press conference or the flash interview. Uh, and then one of the goals he uh, came to Walshmit, and I think that he was celebrating with uh, Walshmit. Uh, but, but look, look, I, I've been, I've been getting beat up like a pinata on Twitter uh, for defending George Jesus, right? And I, and I think that it's become fashionable to just blame George Jesus on everything. And and look, I don't like the way he approached it, right? As you mentioned. You know, comes into the post game uh, flash interview and and he you know is complaining out loud and and throwing his his directors under the bus that he needs not one he needs two more center backs. But after what you've watched just this past week and that same game that had just finished, I mean, is he wrong? I mean, you, you counting on Ontamendi who's thirty two, counting on Vertonghen who's thirty three, who's also injured, and then you have to <clears throat> in, in return you have to go 
count on a Jardel who got injured in that game. So, look, he's not wrong about needing another one or maybe even two, right? Center backs, because it's a long season. Benfica's going to be in every competition. They're going to play in Taça da Liga, Taça Portugal, Europa Liga, and obviously the, 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 the Liga Nós. Players are going to go away for international breaks. There's going to be injuries. There might be some guys who were going to get infected with COVID. So he's not wrong for wanting one, at least, and possibly two center backs, especially when you see how fragile our guys have become. But, Look, I, I, I much I would have much rather him tuck his tail in between his legs, go into the locker room, do what you got to do, speaking to the president, to the, the sporting director. Look, this is why rather than doing it the way he did, but he's not wrong. It's not. Let's just not come on here and bash on the guy, beat up on him like y'all get beat up on Twitter, because he is. There is some logic behind his thought process. You might not like the way he goes about it. You might not like that. You know the caliber of player, to y'all, but. The logic of needing center backs because ours right now are eh, iffy, you know, to put it politely, right? We all love Jardel. We think he's a warrior. He's a leader. He's the captain of this team. But the fact of the matter is that the guy picks up any, you know, picks up injuries off of any, any little nick, okay? Bertangen has got a fractured bone. I know a guy hasn't missed many games, but he's 33. You know, these guys start to pick up. Otaman, he's 32. You know, the only guy, the only youngster on the team, it's Ferro. And a guy, and let's be brutally honest, he came into the game, played decently compared, compared to the way he's played the last eight months. He was a superstar. But the fact of the matter is that he's not been good. This is a guy that has yeah. totally lost his confidence. He lost his awareness positionally on the field. Is not does anywhere near that same fantastic defender that we all fell in love with. So, again, there's really no one that JJ could count on right now. So, let's, let's, let's look. Let's criticize him for saying it in the open, but let's not act like the, like the guy doesn't know what he's talking about because yeah. there is something that's behind it. I'm not, um, I'm not on that boat of, of criticizing him. Um, up until uh, Ruben Diaz left, he knew uh, that he needed another center back with the caliber of a starter, right? Somebody that he could slot and substitute, as Chris mentioned, uh, with the age of, of Ertongen, uh, with Jardel not being fit, uh, 80% of the time with Ferro still being green. Uh, he needed another guy just in case Vertonghen went down, Ruben Diaz went down, he have he has a guy to slide in. Once Ruben Diaz leaves, now all of a sudden he needs two center backs that are going to be starting caliber. I, I don't I don't blame him for that. I think that's that's the logic behind it. Uh, you have a compressed schedule, you got guys that that are that are older, uh, you got a lot of competitions. Dave and I were just talking about uh, this before we came on the air. Uh, Benfica is basically going to play two games a week for the rest of, of the year for, for until Christmas, the Christmas break. Uh, so games are going to come fast and furious and guys that are in their thirties uh, are not necessarily going to always be there for you. I mean, that is a reality um, regardless of what their past injury record has been. Uh, but that's the reality. So, the only thing that I think is that when you come out publicly and, and, and you announce that, and not because uh, directors are going to be offended, because once you bring J.J., you know what J.J. is about. You've seen J.J. in public. You've seen the way he, he, he kind of expresses himself. I think that the only thing that I feel was that the moment you say, 
I need two center backs or I need one center back and you're in active negotiations with somebody, now you shift all the leverage to the selling club. Uh, and I think that's, I, I think we all could agree uh, that that was the one bad thing that he did. In terms of publicly d announcing that I, I need uh, two center backs or one center back, whatever, I, I don't think that's just JJ being JJ. Uh, it shouldn't surprise anybody. I'm not surprised about it uh, at all, especially coming off the uh, last two managers that we had with uh, Vitoria and uh, Lodge. They were publicly, they were yes men, right? Where we don't know behind the scenes if they, they went, uh, went to bat and uh, went to the president and the directors to ask for reinforcements uh, for this club. But at the end of the day, you, you can just see what the investment that's been made on this club compared to previous seasons and uh, previous managers, right? The JJ demands uh, these players and uh, he's not going to uh, be afraid to uh, say anything or, or say anything the, uh, the, right, the wrong way, sorry, and uh, offend people, right? Yeah, and, and the other thing that I wanted to discuss with you guys before we uh, move on to our next uh, topic was, uh, and I don't know if you guys got a chance to catch this, um, after the game, uh, obviously, we knew that Porto had, had dropped uh, the points and, and we had a chance to now uh, go up three points on Porto or to gain three points on Porto. And JJ was able to um, identify something that, that, that I thought was, was very interesting. He, was, he said that the team came into the game uh, a little bit anxious. Uh, and perhaps condition how many times did we see Benfica last year in the past couple seasons uh with the with the chance to go up on Porto on points because Porto played first and they dropped points and basically Benfica squandering and JJ really felt um that the team came into the game anxious and he feels that that's tied into last season Chris do you think that there's there's scars there's there's mental scars perhaps uh post-traumatic distress uh, from the, the seasons um, prior that will condition a team coming into games like this? I mean, Alfredo, we've, we've all talked about the way Benfica goes into the Dragon, with the exception of, 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 of two seasons ago when Felix and Rafa scored, obviously, to overturn the score and we were losing 1-0, and then we, we overcame a seven-point deficit. It, with the exception of that game, we had to go back years until we saw Benfica play the way we all feel and think that they should always attack these types of games. So, I mean, it's really no surprise that, that, that a guy with his knowledge of, of the game, like, like, like we know that JJ has, that he identifies this right away. I mean, literally a month and a half after he's arrived at the club and he's worked with these guys and he sees that there's some lingering effects still. Uh, and to me, I'm, I'm not shocked. I'm glad that he's identified it this early. I'm glad that he's I'm, – I'm pretty sure, right? I'm saying I'm glad, like, like I know, but I'm assuming. I mean, it's just common knowledge, right, common sense, that he is going to work on these things. And it wasn't easy this week, but it's going to get better because he's going to have these guys, you know, mentally prepare for these games, whether Porto plays first, whether Porto plays second. But as you've stated, it, 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 we've always questioned, um, you know, why does it seem like we never knew for a fact, but obviously now a coach that's in the locker room is confirming it for us. It seems to us that Benfica always, you know, is not the same team because when they go into the to, 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 to the field, already knowing the results of Boca do Porto. And again, 
I'm glad that there's someone there now that's identifying this and that is going to attack it. And, and hopefully we'll get rid of this stigmatism, this, this, you know, from, for, for, uh, from these players and from our team for the foreseeable future, man, we start, you know, really doing to these guys what they've done to us. And maybe we start playing mental games with these guys and start, um, you know, playing our football and just doing what we have to do. Worry about ourselves. Forget about everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Three points. That's all that matters, uh, especially after Puerto uh, dropped uh, three points uh, on their own. Uh, so we need to uh, keep going this, uh, and this momentum, especially coming into this international break. Dave, some numbers on this game so we can move on. Yes, uh, like we said, uh, Seferovic with the uh, brace. So that's his uh, eighth two-goal game with uh, Benfica bringing his uh, goal scored total with uh, the club to 46. Uh, Darwin, three assists through the first three uh, games uh, of the season. And uh, like Chris had also mentioned, Vlacodemos made a total of uh, seven saves this match, which uh, was his uh, career best with Benfica since joining the club. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, certainly the, the three points, uh, most important thing. Um, so today, as uh, we record this, uh, as I mentioned, the, the winter uh, transfer window just... Uh, summer. S- summer. Sorry. I'm already looking forward to the winter. Win- I winter is coming, yeah. I, I couldn't have enough of the summer. A summer one, I'm already wor- looking forward to the winter one. So that just uh, closed uh, about, uh, I don't know, three hours ago. Um, Dave, you want to you wanna run through that uh, list of, of guys that... Um, that we got in, I guess we could start from, from the beginning. Uh, you could run down the list and then we'll, we'll add any, um, any comment that we have. Yep. So, uh, players we brought in this, uh, transfer window, uh, Pedrinho, Helton, Alate, uh, Gilberto, Vertonghen, Everton, uh, Waldschmidt, uh, Darwin, uh, Otamendi. And, uh, the last one here right at the end was, uh, Tobito. Todibo. Todibo. Is that how you say his name? Todibo? Oui, je parle français très bien, monsieur. Jean-Claude Todibo. So, uh, Todibo, a 20-year-old player that uh, it belongs to Barcelona, but he was over at Schalke last season. Uh, center back, uh, 20-year-old. Uh, we were able to snap him up. Cristiano, uh, you certainly know more about this, uh, this kid than I do. Um, Good fit? <sighs> I like him. Obviously, I like him. I think he's very athletic. I think he has what it takes uh, to be a successful uh, defender, not just in Portugal, but obviously in La Liga and, and he, you know, and even uh, represent the, the French national team. That being said, uh, he's still very raw. Uh, I like his addition. I like the fact we have him on loan. And I think any type, any player, that comes in defender, striker, goalie, uh, water boy, ball boy. I think anyone working with George Jesus is only going to get better. Um, so I, I'm excited. Uh, I like his price tag, twenty million. I don't think is 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 a crazy price tag for this caliber of player. We we must not forget this is the type of player that at 18 years old got to a Barcelona, a player that's played uh, for the French national team at the youth level. Uh, right now, you can make the argument of French under 20 or under 21 is better than, than the majority of the national teams in, you know, in, in other countries. So um, to get to that level, you got to know what you're doing. Uh, that being said, I still do think he's raw. I, I, he reminds me a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite defenders. But, you know, we have, to, we have to admit and understand some of their flaws. But he reminds me a little bit 
of a David Luiz. Uh, comes out of the back playing, like his, his discipline at times is questionable. Um, you wonder what the hell he's doing, taking on guys in the back in his own box. But then, you know, he's got the ability to come away and dribble through three, four guys and, and you know, make an outlet pass and put a guy in a break. Like he's got that type of ability. Uh, it's going to be frustrating at times, uh, but you have to understand that he's still very young. Um, and he's got a tr tremendous margin to grow. And, and I do think his ceiling is very, very high. And, and, and I'll be very excited. And, and I'm very interested to see what happens on the JJ because I do think we have ourselves a very good player. And at the end of the day, I think for the first time in a while, we are on the other, sh we are on the other end where we have the option to keep the player if we like him. And again, $20 million, uh, is is not astronomical numbers. Uh, for this caliber of player. So I do hope and, and think that, uh, you know, this guy is only going to progress at Benfica and, and, and hopefully we keep him around for, 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 for a long time. Yeah, and, and, and Lucas Verissimo, who we had been linked to uh, from the, the beginning of, uh, of this season uh, as somebody who could possibly be joining Benfica, uh, is joining Benfica uh, in the January transfer window, in the winter transfer window. Uh, went back and forth there. He was linked to Porto, then he was linked to Benfica, then he was linked to Benfica again. Uh, ended up being that uh, you will be joining uh, Benfica in January. Um, also uh, worth mentioning that Benfica will play both Porto and Sporting in January. So if at that point we're, we're not as deep as we should, uh, we got another player joining us. Uh, whether or not you will need time to adapt, it's a whole different story. Uh, but certainly, I think that uh, I, I'm very high on, on Lucas Verissim from the things that, that I've seen. Uh, so I hope that uh, he's able to uh, make a difference in his team. Um, Cristiano, no weight and no right back. And, hey, and no forward. I'm going to ask you what I ask, what I ask our good friend Philippe Teixeira on WhatsApp. Who needs an eight when you got my main man, Adele Tarap? <laughs> Tarap is not going to be able to play at that level for 90 minutes. Look, man, the one thing, the one thing that I think we need, and, uh, and I know everybody talks about an eight. Everybody's talking about a you know, box-to-box, a, -box, a guy that's going to play, as you said, Alfredo, with that intensity level and, and be able to battle it out and be able to get on the end of a shot. And Look, man, to me, the one thing I'm most interested in, and this is why – uh, I know some of you, you know, can't stand me half the time talking about Tarap, but this is why I, I adore Tarap, and especially now on this team. Obviously, transfer windows closed, and 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 with the, with with the options that we have on this team. Watching that game yesterday, I saw Walshman and Darwin himself multiple times making runs that a guy with the vision of a Tarap, right? And obviously, better would be even greater, but. In yesterday's game, there was no trap. There was no guy with that vision. And these guys are making runs. And I'm watching a game that if someone that has the playmaking ability could thread a pass, has the vision to put these guys on. I mean, in that game against Ferenc, I think Walshman and both Darren could have scored two goals apiece with someone with that playmaking ability at that position. So rather than just, you know, searching for a guy that's going to battle it out and play defense, look, play with a more defensive presence. Play with a guy that's going to stay home a little bit more and allow that, opt that freedom because on this team, I don't see anyone else with that type of vision that can play that position. Because the fact of the matter is that in the Liga Norse, with 
opposition that we're going to play, the caliber of teams we're playing against, the what I like to call Alfredo, but you know, the, I've been calling them that on here on the podcast for years, the Monkus. In these tough games, when teams line up behind the ball, you're going to need that creativity. You're not going to need a guy to run box to box and play with that crazy intensity. You got and and in that game against Florence, when it was really aside from the Paolo, unfortunately, right? It was really our first challenge of the season. Everything else has been relatively, you know, just come around. We, eh, you know, put kick the ball around, and before we know, we're scoring goals, a handful of goals, and we, you know, slapping everyone around. In this game, our backs were up against the wall a little bit, as you mentioned, because, you know, the team was already mentally, you know, uh, 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 I don't want to call it prepared, but mentally they had that effect that they already know the result from Porto. There's that that stigma in there, and then obviously the first time that they really uh, faced adversity in, in, in a campeonato at home. I'm pretty sure JJ's screaming and hollering. And, and we had an opportunity to, to to get some easy goals, and it just – there's no one there to create, man. And so I, I get it that you're asking for an eight, but I really – and I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not even trying to be a fanboy here. I really think that we do have that guy on the team, Alfredo, and he doesn't have to play like that for 90 minutes. Not in the league in, – in, in, in the Liga Nos. You understand what I'm trying to say? Maybe in the knockout stages of the Europa League at some point, but not in the Liga Nords. Maybe against Football Club Porto, he will, right? But not against every, even Sporting. Not, not, not against anyone else on this team. This is the reason why, and I know I haven't been on in a couple of weeks, this is the reason why I wasn't opposed to letting go of a Fiorentino on loan. And look, I want a Fiorentino to stay, right? But I saw, I looked at the team, I looked at our competition, I looked at what we're going to put out there. He was really the only true number six on the team. I didn't want him to go. But I understood because most of these games, we're going to be playing on the other team's halves. So you don't really need a defensive guy. You need a guy that moves the ball. Right? You need a Gabriel Avigo, Gabriel Avigo and Tarap, Tarap and Gabriel. That's what you need. You're going to need guys to move the ball. So uh, forget that intensity. I think Tarap is more than adequate. He's good enough to help out this team and, and get to that level. Now, the right defender, Alfredo, ask Dave. Ask Dave about the my, right defender. My biggest, uh, my biggest concern with that app is uh, every time he gets injured, he seems that he's out a couple, uh, couple, two to three weeks. He's always – his injuries, it's never something that he can bounce back on the following week or the week after that. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a bit concerned. Uh, and, look, I, I do understand what, what you're saying, uh, but – I have a problem also thinking that uh, that that up is is it bec he becomes a utility player to be to play against the Mancus, right? You got to have the team be uniform and, and be consistent uh, from day one. Uh, and I do understand that 80% of the teams that we play in the Liga Noj, Tarap, who, who provides the can opening uh, for us in, in the midfield, is perfect. Uh, but the rest of the games. What are we going to do? We're going to take out Tarab. We're going to put somebody else there uh, because somebody else is going to give us assurances in terms of the defensive balance, in terms of the defensive transitions. I mean, I, I do understand what you're saying. I'd much rather have a guy that's going to be a consistent starter and that pairing be a, a consistent pairing. Alfred, I didn't say any different. If I could get that guy, I would bring him in. Right. If I if Benfica if there was that guy out there that could come in and and be that playmaker, I'm all for it. All I was and I and I went off on that and that tended only just to explain that we it doesn't need to be a 
a Enzo Perez, a box-to-box guy. It can just be a guy that has a motor, but a guy I, – I, it needs to be a guy with playmaking ability. That's my point. You understand right. what I'm saying? That I, I just think it needs more. It needs to be more than just than just a hustler. It needs to be a guy with playmaking, a guy that has vision, a guy that could create. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, uh, Dave. What about the guys that uh, went out? Guys that went out, starting with uh, Zlobin, uh, Zivkovic, uh, David Tavares, uh, Florentino. What about Andre Almeida? No, he's he's still here. Okay. He's still here. He's still with the uh, armband ready uh, whenever Jardel goes out. So he's here with his armband. Uh, Florentino went to Monaco. Ruben Diaz um, to Manchester City. Uh, Then deals that just happened since the last podcast here. Uh, Vinicius uh, loaned to Tottenham. Hey, Dave. Uh, Hey, Dave, since you're you're talking about uh, deals that just happened, what about Pizzi? PT is still here. Uh, not as many goals as uh, we're, we're usually seeing from PT in uh, September, but uh, he did score this week, but he's still here. Uh, another monk who... Um, Thomas Tavares uh, went to uh, Alaves in uh, Spain. Jota went to uh, Valladolid in uh, Spain. And uh, Diego Souza left uh, left us to go to uh, Famalicão. Um, and then we're also missing from that list there, um, Thiago Dantes, uh, loaned to Bayern Munich as well. Yeah, let's uh, let's save Thiago Dantes for uh, for the last one. I, w- I just want to mention that uh, Alpha Smith was uh, was loaned out to uh, Reading. Uh, also, uh, Chris Willock uh, parted ways with uh, with Benfica and joined uh, QPR QPR Q- Q- QPR. Uh, for on, on three seasons um let's talk about the this Thiago Dantes uh, loan because this this seems to be uh, the one that the 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 one the one player that has uh, everyone with a pan, with their panties I, in a bunch I, I want to give you your mic you're going to get your time and space I don't even want to talk about Dantes but I wanted to say because you mentioned the the, the acquisitions and and, and you know, I didn't hear Martin Crean uh, Ferreira. I'm gonna get there. Oh, oh you're gonna get that. Oh, well, they're, we? they're not really acquisitions, but they're they're just. I'm, I, they're I, registrations. I have <laughs> a I have a list of players that Benfica registered uh, before the 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 registration window closed, and and I'll I'll read those shortly. But um, the thing about uh, about Dantes and and what we know, and we'll give you what we know, uh, right? So Dantes joins Bayern. Uh, on uh, on a season season long loan, uh, from what we understand, he's going to be joining Bayern B uh, to start. With Bayern B plays in the third division of Germany. Um, nothing has been said in terms of a clause. Uh, neither Benfica nor Bayern have announced that there's there's an there's an option. Or or this or that we don't know. That is yet to be announced by by either club, and I would think that the announcement comes from Benfica. What I also know is that Thiago Dantes asked to go out. Um, he wasn't playing for the B team. I also know that he was he was being managed. His effort is his fatigue levels uh, were being managed. If you could recall, Thiago Dantes was part of that B squad that was on call uh, when the A squad 
returned to to training for to to resume uh this the, the last uh piece of last year's season uh he, then he joined uh the 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 team that played in in the UEFA youth uh, champions league uh, tournament uh and he really hasn't started for the b team since the the start of of the season um so for my understanding and what i've been told is that duntish asked to leave um jota went out with no option uh who else went out with uh with no option i think that the Tavares kid also went out with with uh, no option i think out of all the Benfica players that went out uh loan all went out without an option with the exception of vinicius did you did you mention vinicius on the out steve i did you re- you interrupted me to bring up yeah pizza sorry I was, I was focused on pizza uh <laughs> no. yeah but uh so look um certainly you can make an argument that it is the germans third division better than portugal's second division uh my biggest thing is um I, I think I, I just want what's what's best for, for Thiago Dantes. Obviously, if he goes out to Bayern with uh, no option, the option turns out to be his clause, and his clause is $88 million. And there's a bunch of people that have a hard time that uh, thinking that uh, that Dantes will uh, be bought or Bayern will spend that much money for uh, a 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid. Uh, but to me, I think that uh, he probably needs, needed a change of scenery because um, we all know what he's capable of. And he's perhaps one of the, not perhaps, uh, one of the smartest footballers in, at the Seychelles. Uh, big soccer IQ, technically uh, very evolved, but uh, he just looks my, like my little cousin. Uh, you know, he's always looked like uh, my little cousin uh, throughout these couple of years that he's been uh, prominent in the in the youth teams, uh, so I hope that this move to Bayern is going to uh, to help him to help him uh, grow, but most of most of all, add some some muscle. Uh, but uh, you know, to to me, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Um, what would have surprised me if we make the same mistake that we made uh, with Bernardo, that we let him go and there was there was an option, uh, and when you set that option. You open yourself for uh, him doing well, and 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 uh, the team that's uh, that's hosted him to to activate that clause. From what we understand, and I repeat, this is all we know is that there's no clause or no option uh, for Dante. So, at the end of uh, this season, he does come back to Benfica, and hopefully, he'll come back to Benfica better than when he left, so we could take advantage. Uh, but nothing surprises me Jota going out we we spoke about that Jota needed to go out the Tavares kids needed to go out um and you know all these players I think they need to benefit from competing and I don't think that right now they're going to be able to compete on this a team under JJ but we knew we knew that that was going to be the case look I want to send a message to our fellow Benficistas around the world who are listening to us right and it's very simple guys we look I know sometimes I come on here and I talk about, I don't you know, care about a kid from Seychelles because I want to win and I want this. But look, at the end of the day, it would be nice. We all would love to see a bunch of our own kids that we develop play on the main squad. But the fact of the matter is that, guys, it's just it's not 
It's not a reality. It's never going to happen. You're going to get kids on the team, but you're not going to have 11 maiden says shout cats, uh, you know, out there as, as, as our president suggested multiple times. It's not going to stop believing in that bull crap. Okay. Fact of the matter is this, that a club that generates itself well, a club with a plan, a club with an idea, a club with a project, um, not saying that we have that right now, but a club with a project would use their youth department, right? Obviously, would try to develop them to see if they could get to the main squad, develop these guys in order to inject them into the team and, and surround them with veterans and have some youth and get to these guys to the next level. Because as I've stated, it's great to have our own on our team. But great clubs with an idea, right, with, with the project, they turn around and they also make the decision that, Alfredo Famasas is a tremendous B-team player. He's been tremendous for my U-15s, my U-16s, my U-17s. But unfortunately, Alfredo Famasas is just not better than Weigel right now on my team. And instead of having Alfredo Famasas sit on my bench, never getting any playing time because I got Gabriel and I got Tarapt and I got 10 other options that are better than Alfredo Famasas is today, why not sell this kid and get $20 million for him? Because I may never have room for this guy. So it's not a bad it's not a bad business plan to go by that. So let's stop taking everything as an offense. And I'm not naming a player. As you've seen, I named Alfredo Famas. I don't want to use a player as an example because I know you guys will all get offended. But just because we love these guys and because we've seen them grow up, it doesn't mean that all these guys are good enough to play for our main squad. I mean, we've seen it with better players at the Barcelonas of the world. There's guys right now on the Barcelona B team that will come and start on our team. There's guys on the Barcelona B team that will start on 60% of the teams around the world, but they can't get a minute on that Barcelona team. Does that mean they're bad players? No, it just means they can't play at Barcelona, but they could play elsewhere. It's the same thing with Benfica. Just because they can't play at Benfica doesn't mean they're bad players. They can play elsewhere. But, yo, we have to be a mix of things. It can't just be... All you know, it can't just be all one-sided on either side, veterans or youngsters. It's got to be a mix. But let's let's stop. Yeah. Let's stop getting offended over dumb stuff. Everybody's got different opinions. And look, Diago Dantas is a very skilled player. We've heard nothing but positive things about this kid for for a very long time. This kid joined before he get four years old, right? But we've also from from people in the know, right? Guys, we trust deeply. As much praise as they have, they've also criticized the fact that, look, the one thing you can't teach, right? You can't teach knowledge, which he has. You can't teach instinct, which he has. But the kid knows, as Alfredo stated, he's a, 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 the guy, his brain works quicker than most guys around him. That's fine. You can't teach that. But on the negative side, you can't teach size. Can't take away the fact that he's, he's a very small player. And at this level, you need to have some of that physicality. I'm not saying that he won't develop it in tomorrow, next week, the week after, you know. But right now, today, as we speak, you can't teach size. And he just doesn't have that physicality to add to his game. If you could put his brain in a Samadhi's body, in a 6-1-6-2 body, the guy would be tremendous. But unfortunately, you can't. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I don't... Uh, I. I don't disagree with you on that. I, I just think, and look, uh, just to give some perspective, right? If you look at the past 10 Champions League winners, uh, teams I'm talking about, and you go look at every single team, and I bet you that you will have one or two, three, maybe four, the most players formed at that club, 
But Alfredo, I don't want to cut you off, but Alfredo, we can't compare apples to oranges. No, no, no. I'm just saying that it's unrealistic to feel that you could do that with players from the Seychelles. But but even those four guys that you're saying that they develop, right, those four guys, they would be our João Felix. They would be our our, our, uh, Oblak. They would be our Nelson Smith, and they would be our Renato Sanchez, for example, right? The fact is that Barcelona could hold on to those players. Right. Real Madrid, man, Benfica wanted to keep Ruben Diaz. I don't believe Benfica wanted to get rid of Ruben Diaz. The fact of the matter is they lost out on the Champions League. Somebody had to go out. And Ruben Diaz himself wants to go make more money. It was inevitable, inevitable that Ruben Diaz was going to leave. Look at another player, player that's a Portuguese international, a player that's won championships in Portugal, regardless of what you think, what your opinion of him as a player is. Some people like him, some people don't. But you had a player to leave Football Club do Porto yesterday, a guy that started at the World Cup, that started at the Euros for the Portuguese national team, and he left Porto to go play at PSG, and he said, to be brutally honest, I came to make more money. Guys are going to leave. It's unrealistic for Benfica to keep those as you stated, Alfredo, the four or five guys. It'd be great. But the fact is, Benfica would have a good Champions League run and every shark around the world is going to come chase them where Barcelona can't hold on to those guys, where Juventus can't hold on to those guys. It's the difference. Benfica doesn't play at that. Benfica doesn't play at the same level. But Hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, let's say that Benfica gets to a financial level where they can hold on to three, four players. It's never going to be 11 players made in Seychelles that are going to be making a European champion. You're always going to have a mix of players that are going to have to come in, some veterans, some young players that are going to supplement a team. To, to think that Benfica could, if they're in a financial position, field a, a team of 11 players made in Seychelles and win a Champions League, it's completely unrealistic. And unrealistic. that's not that, that that's that's across all all sports though too, right? That's not that's not Benfica's right. problem. That's not a soccer <laughs> problem. That's that you can bring up the NBA, baseball, hockey, right. football. But even, you're never going to have a full team of homegrown homegrown yeah. uh, players. But even Barcelona, that have the financial prowess, the most they may have on a team that wins the Champions League is maybe three, four players. And I know, and I know some guys, right? The experts, because, you know, there's experts. The experts are going to point to the Barcelonas of, you know, uh, the, the 2010, the, 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 the Pep Guardiola's Barcelona. Well, they got Messi developed from the team. Puyol, Busquets, uh, uh, Xavi. And yeah, yeah, you're right. You're, you're 100% correct. Yeah, they had more than four or five guys. You're, first, they got the financial wherewithal to keep all those guys. But second of all, second of all, here's the one thing. The one reason why they had all those guys is the reason that you as a Benfiquista who wants to see all these Seychelles guys will turn around tomorrow and criticize the club is Barcelona was able to get all those guys because they were shit. They were terrible. They weren't winning any leagues. They went through a rough period in their time. And you know what they said is we can't financially, we can't compete with the others. We need to develop our own. And they weren't competing. Now, if you as a Benfiquista are okay with Benfica finishing in fourth and fifth place, because they're developing their kids for four years, five years, then you know what? You're a better man than I am. But I don't want my Benfica to go four or five years without winning a title because I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm investing my money on some kids that may never 
may never take me to the promised land. Because at the end of the day, all I care about is being FIGA being champion. I don't care if it's with a Portuguese kid, an American kid, a Chinese kid, a, a Jamaican kid. I don't care where they come from. I don't care if he's 32 or 22. All I care about is being FIGA winning the title. At the end of the year, no one is going to go back and say, man, in 2015, we had the most Portuguese players on the field. Of any team in the league. Yeah, we'll, we'll, oh, we're finishing fourth place. Okay, good. Nobody, nobody's going to remember the fourth place. They're going to remember the championship, and that's what it's about. And look, we're not disputing ID. You know, we're not saying you guys are, don't know what you're talking about, but it's just we have our ideas, and, and a lot of the things I talk about might not make sense to you guys, but in my world, it makes a little bit of sense. And so I try to spew that sense out to you guys. And, and again, Benfica, I've used this 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 example to you, Alfredo. <laughs> I, I think you, you've grown sick of hearing me say this. Dave, I, I'm not sure you've ever heard me say this. As much as I say it to Alfredo, and I've said it to a lot of my friends that are probably listening to this, like, here we go, I know where Chris is going. But Benfica, I compare him to, and Steve right now is probably turning it off the minute I mention this, but I compare him to the New York Yankees in Major League Baseball, okay? They don't have the luxury, okay, of sitting there and saying, look, we're going to develop our players. They're, Benfica has to challenge for the title every year. And I know you're going to say, well, Benfica win five years because that's fine. That, look, doesn't mean that Benfica is going to win a title for the next two years, but Benfica cannot show up tomorrow with a team at the start to lose and say, eh, you know what? We're, we're sporting and we're just going to develop kids and worry about, you know, developing our own. And if we challenge for the title, we, no, no, Benfica always has to challenge, just like the Yankees. They, Yankees had one rebuild in like 30 years, was a couple years ago. That's Benfica. We're not allowed to rebuild. The rebuild has to be on the fly. No one is ever going to be okay. No saucy was going to be okay with Benfica just packing it in and playing a bunch of kids for four or five years and not winning crap. It doesn't work like that. Benfica doesn't have that luxury. Whether you support the coach, whether you support the press, I don't care. No one's talking about the fact of the matter is, ask yourself right now if you, are you okay with Benfica going for the next four or five years with a bunch of kids from Seychelles? And guess what? In four or five years, there's no guarantees you win anything. Or do you want to just compete and, and, and challenge for a title tomorrow? What, what would you rather do as a Benfica? Answer. Hit us up. As a matter of fact, Benfica podcast. Hit us up. We're posing this question to you guys that are listening to this. Let me know, okay? Go to Benfica Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, whichever format, whichever social media platform you want to do. Hit us up. Do you want to, are you okay with Benfica playing a bunch of youngsters, a bunch of kids for the next four or five years with no guarantees you're ever going to win anything? Or do you want to just challenge for a title today? Because at the end of the day, it's about competing for titles for Benfica. There you go. Chris is just throwing down the gauntlet. So uh, go on there and, and uh, make, yourself, uh, make yourself heard. Uh, just to wrap up this uh, this window, uh, Benfica did register some some players that they were unable to place, and, and a lot of these players are are B team players. Uh, when you guys uh, see the very high numbers in the B team players, that means that they are not able to uh, wear low numbers because the A team has the low numbers, and that's the reason why they wear. Uh, the the 90s and 80s because uh, they too can be called up and they registered as uh, as uh, Benfica players as Benfica senior players and they can be called up. Uh, so uh, Kalaika, David Barreiro, uh, Diogo Almeida, Kevin uh, Soboth, uh, Martin Crean, uh, Tomas Azevedo, Vasco Paciencia, who is by the way is uh, Domingos Paciencia's kid, um, and also. Uh, Ferreira, uh, Benfica couldn't place uh, Ferreira, and so he came back. And also Zé Gomes, 
or also known as Zé Golsh, who at one point was uh, the big uh, the big hope for Benfica, and and that all uh, ended up uh, ended up uh, going the wrong way. So uh, those guys, Benfica was able to register before uh, the registration uh, closed uh, at the leak. Um, Cristiano, just a, a, an overall, uh, and I'll ask both of you, uh, an overall thought on how this uh, window was uh, went for Benfica. And, and uh, are you satisfied with the moves uh, that were done? We're never satisfied. As Benfica used to, as I just told you before, we always want to compete. We always want to be at the top. We always want to win. We always want to have the best players we possibly could. We're never going to be satisfied. But particularly this year where – there was so much noise about one particular player that, you know, we never thought at the end of last season we'd, we'd ever have the opportunity to get in this player, that it overshadowed everything else. But if you really break down what Benfica's done in this time, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pretty good transfer window for Benfica. I mean, the fact you got a guy like a Cebolinha who you never thought you'd get. You got a guy like Luca Walshmid. Darwin, say what you want. Uh, Otamendi, a guy who's a proven defender. Guys played in the Champions League year after year. Argentina national team presence. Vertonghen. Todibo, to a certain extent. Go, guys that are into youngsters. This is a, this is a player that has a, a tremendous potential. Um, you know, Pedrinho, another guy that has a lot of... T- but we've done... A lot of good. But once there was so much noise about that one guy and he doesn't come, everyone is disappointed. Obviously, the team could have improved in other areas. They could have, oh, you know, anytime, regardless of the team, they could, you could always, you're never really happy with what you get because you always think that you could have gotten something else. But maybe reality wasn't the case. Maybe you couldn't get those players. So we have to really look at what we did with these types of players. And it's JJ's first year. Um, you know he's going to work on building this team, and it's going to get better. Rome was not built in one day, and I do believe that in two, three, and, and especially in the third year, JJ's teams will, will be that that well-working machine, well-oiled machine, I should say. Um, and I think he'll write the ship. But right now, look, man, look, you know, we it, it is what it is, man. We spent a lot of money, and, and the fact of the matter is we missed out on champions. So all things considered, it's been a pretty good win, though, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I do think that that is a good shout that uh, basically that that Tazond uh, overshadowed uh, Benfica's whole transfer window and and certainly uh, added a lot of expectations. Uh, And then there was all those expectations came crashing uh, down and disappointment for a lot of fans. Dave, what are your uh, thoughts on this transfer window, man? I can break it down into two halves, right? All the business we did, uh, all the business we did uh, before the the season started, and then the business that we had to do as a result of that uh, Pauk uh, result, right? Because we could be, if we qualify for Champions League, we get that forty million dollars influx in uh, uh, addition to our our budget here. We can be talking about more additions rather than uh, subtractions that we had to make, but. Overall, I think it'll be here, Dave. And Ruben will still be here, no Todibo, but you still have Ruben's Ruben. Uh, it'd be totally different. It'd be totally different. Yep. But but I don't, I don't blame that necessarily on, on the club having to make the, the, they're they're forced to make those transfers as a result of losing out on, on the 40 million for, from Champions League, right? But 
Um, overall, I, I think it was a successful uh, transfer uh, window for us, just based on, like Chris had uh, already mentioned, those players that we brought into this squad, players that we would have never have thought of bringing in uh, the last couple of seasons under Vitoria and, and Laj, right? So I think overall, uh, minus the Powell result, it was a successful uh, transfer market for us. Yeah, no, uh, I I will uh, I will agree with you guys um, that I I think it was a very successful uh, window for us, uh, regardless of Cavani coming or not coming. Um, I'm not going to beat a dead horse in terms of the the eight position in the right back position because that's been something that's been missing for the past uh, three four seasons. They brought right back. They so, brought in a right back. Yeah, so so why would it be any any different uh, this season, right? So uh, and you can't you can't say that uh, oh uh, uh, JJ should have asked or he, he should ask for an eight, he should ask for a right back when all this time we've been going along without an eight and a right back. So what's what's so different now? Anyway, um, I thought we did very well. We also spent a lot of money, which uh, in a way it, it it concerns me where this is going to leave us. Uh, after all this spent, because uh, we know that a lot of the spent was driven by the elections, which, by the way, are taking place on October 30th. Uh, and now uh, it leaves us with the idea of, like, did we overextend ourselves uh, in this window because of the elections? And is this going to leave us in a poor uh, financial uh, position? But, but then again, when you want to compete, at a European level, you need to have the aces to compete. You need to have the coaches to compete. So it's definitely a huge investment. Uh, and I'm fine with the investment as long as there's returns at the end of the year. Uh, if there's no returns at the end of the year, then I think you, you could consider this season uh, a failure uh, in all aspects. Um, anyway, uh, national team break or international break. Uh, the Portuguese national team will play Spain on a warm-up, then uh, they will travel to uh, Paris to play France on the 11th, uh, and then they'll be back in Portugal to play against Sweden. Uh, both the Spain, the Spain game and the Sweden game will have uh, very limited attendance. I think that's against Spain, they're going to have 2,500, I want to say. And I think against Sweden, there's going to be uh, some more uh, a bigger crowd, but not uh, that much bigger. Uh, and then like five thousand and ten thousand, or five percent and ten percent. So. Yeah, uh, and then we'll Befica will return to action on the eighteenth of October, uh, and then we'll have uh, four games uh, in a game of uh, in a, in the month of October. So two weeks, four games. Dave, what do we got? Uh, what do we got in October after Riwav, which is the yeah. game on the eighteenth? Just bringing this up here. I believe after that we have uh, the Europa League game against uh, Like uh, in uh, Poland. There, uh, then we come home. We play uh, Bolonjsad on uh, that weekend. Oh, you play followed who? by. Blue oh, I, I butchered that one all the time. I'm not even going to try to say that one again. Bolonjsad. Uh, there we go. Just spell uh, it out, Dave. Bolonjsad. No, thank you. Uh, we go to, uh, to or then standard Liage comes uh, to uh, the Stadio de Luz uh, that, that Thursday after that game. And then, like we said, it's, uh, it's two games a week every uh, up until after Christmas from here on out with uh, Europa League, 
league play and then uh, League Cup and Super Cups uh, mixed in with there for the rest of the year. Excellent. So uh, a lot of uh, football to be played, and, and if you love watching Befica, certainly you, you will be in heaven until the end of uh, until the end of the year, provided that Befica will be winning those games. Uh, I was going to say, I don't know if it's going to be heaven or hell the way that uh, this team uh, puts us through uh, as of late. More therapy sessions for us. Dave, we invested on players. We invested on a coaching staff. What could go wrong? Need to invest in uh, some um, some therapists for these players too. If JJ can uh, spot that they're uh, they're mentally fragile, I think they need to invest in uh, some mental health. Uh, oh, they have they have a mental coach that uh, JJ brought with him that had been at Benfica in previous years. With JJ also uh, traveled oh, with, huh? They brought that guy back. I know they had one yeah. for like 20 years and he left. No, then no. He came, so they brought him back. Was, uh, that guy travels with JJ. He was with uh, JJ at Sporting for, I think, the first season. Then he was with JJ in Brazil and now he's uh, he's back. He's a Brazilian. Uh, I forget his name now. Uh, but anyway, um, that is all we got next week. No podcast, obviously, because of international break. And, and then we will be back after... Uh, the Riwav game. We'll break that down. We'll look ahead to uh, Befica's European uh, campaign. Uh, so, thank you very much for checking us out. Enjoy the international break. Uh, I'm sure, just like us, you will miss Befica playing. Um, and if you do, just uh, just catch up an old game. Uh, there's plenty of old games uh, on YouTube that you could watch. Uh, and especially if you're a younger kid. Um, Go and uh, go and build up your history about Befica. Uh, and I know that a lot of kids that were born in the late 80s and the early 90s that that follow this show, uh, you guys are missing out on on tremendous Benfica teams uh, from the 80s. Uh, go and watch that uh, Arsenal game. I think that game uh, might be on YouTube. Check that out, man. That's uh, that's a classic, uh, and many others, and many oh, others. Man. One of the games that I I, I... I suggest everybody figures the young or old, if you really want to go back and, and, and get, you know, learn about your history, or if you just want to relive the moment, go watch that four, four Leverkusen. I mean, that is crazy, crazy game back and forth. There's some tremendous games in the night. Yeah. Leverkusen, Arsenal, Arsenal, 91 crazy games in there, man. Uh, I think that even the Bordeaux game, uh, not Bordeaux, uh, Marseille game is in there. Uh, so definitely check that out. You might even be able to find Benfica against uh, Milan in uh, in the Champions League final. Uh, last time that Benfica was Wait, in it. See right guards streaking yeah, down the middle. Was, of Turn it off. It was, a, it was a tremendous, tremendous Milan team. A, a Milan team that we haven't seen in many, Arguably many years. Greatest of all time. Absolutely. That's all we got. Thank you very much for checking us out. See you again in a couple of weeks. Take care, everyone. Bye.